Hey, it's Mike from You'll Probably Agree. Boy, do we have a show to talk about tonight. And, uh, well, you know, I'm just going to jump right into it and just say my guest is Alan Linda Lerner from MoviesAndShakers.com, a wonderful married couple who has been in the critic game for quite some time. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot to say about the Oscars. You know, a night that should have been remembered for Coda and for... The Summer of Soul, but instead is remembered for uh, act of violence that could have easily been prevented and also not have been provoked. Anyways, I'd like to thank my bar, the one you see in the background at all my shows, Galway Bay, located at 500 West Diversity Parkway. Guess what? Bars are open. Mask mandates are, list- are lifted. Finally, you can get some drinks and darn it, I finally need to get my camera set up in there. But more on that later, and less on me telling you about that until, you know, things are really set. I want you guys to enjoy this episode. Hold on to your butts. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> okay. Welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Uh, today, from MoviesAndShakers.com, uh, we have Al and Linda Lerner over. Uh, I had you guys on last year to talk about the pandemic Oscars, as I called them. And, uh, well, last year was kind of a forgettable year, but this year, um, I think, will be one of them that we will talk no. about for ages. It's memorable, but just as sick. <laughs> yes, that's that's the odd thing is that we remember it because there's this very inherent, you know, WWE sort of aspect of American culture and probably worldwide. You know, if you see someone slap someone else on a stage during an event, that's supposed to be a celebration of the arts, which this show was the absolute opposite of Uh there's some room for lots of tabloids and controversy. Uh, obviously, Chris Rock was the winner of that night uh, because, you know, he, he was the one where Will Smith. I was never a fan of the movie King Richard, and last night kind of proved why I wasn't. Well, they've been saying that maybe he was still living the part, Will Smith. Um, I'm not sure that's true. It, it occurred to me, but I'm not sure that was exactly what was going on. Yeah, you you say that Chris Rock was the winner. Is he a classy guy? Did no. he come off as a classy guy? Both were wrong. Here's the thing. They were both wrong in what they did because uh, I guess there's a history from what I found out with Chris Rock and Will Smith. Like way back during one of the other Oscars. 2016. I, yes. He went, he went after both of them. Yeah. Yeah, he basically called Jada Pinkett irrelevant. And then on stage this year, he made a joke about uh, I I, I want to call it Appalachia, but I know I know that's not how you actually pronounce alopecia. it. Alopecia. Alopecia. Yes, thank you. Yes, she has alopecia, and he. It's called alopecia he, areata. Alopecia areata, and it's basically a hair disease where it's not like cancer or anything, but you you lose your hair, and there's you know not much you can do about it. And I think she was probably insecure about it she was using it as a fashion statement like yes i'm bald but i'm beautiful and uh yeah the chris rock made it classless cheap shot but then will smith instead of 
you know, exemplifying adult-like behavior, goes up on stage, hits the guy, and then swears at him, you know, and then from there, Chris Rock takes it, doesn't say anything, and knows, hey, I'm the class clown, I'm here to kind of push people's buttons, and if anything, he won because he's going to get a lot of free press when maybe he was just going to go out there and present. Well, and also he's not prosecuting for the assault. Oh, of course. Well, not. he doesn't have to. The Academy is uh, has yeah. announced that they are launching an investigation Please. into the uh, into the incident, and they may exact some some punishment on Will Smith uh, in light of in light of what happened and what he did. Now, this investigation may take a few days; it could yeah. take a few weeks. But uh, the fact that Will Smith is not in the clear on this now even though Chris Rock isn't going to prosecute, uh, indicates that there could be some, uh, some price to be paid for, for, for his actions. And they, you know, actions have consequences. And maybe it's time for, uh, for someone who is famous to learn that even he, uh, whether you're Will Smith or a former president of the United States, that there are consequences for actions. And usually if somebody assaults somebody in a situation like that, security comes and takes them out and gets a cooling off period and then figures out what to do. Nobody took them out. Yeah. They didn't escort them out to just say, you know, chill and, and then figure out what to do next in the break. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. But yes, I, do, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Um, but I did. Uh, the, the main thing is it was kind of like a power move. You know, it's saying, hey, I've reached mm -hmm. this point in my career. I can do whatever I want. I can slap a man in the face during the Oscars and threaten him. And nobody can do anything about it. Okay, let's go into the control room for a minute, shall we? Let's go into the control room at the Oscars. You're the director. You're the producer. You're in the control room and you're watching all this unfold. So now it's they're, they're faced with this problem. If we take, are we going to put uh, on live television for the entire world to see Will Smith being hustled out of the room by security mm -hmm. guards, or are we going to try to are we going to try to kind of ease this through and try to get through this now because it's all so uncomfortable? So you're the you're the director, you're the producer. What, what do, do you do? do? What do you do? Exactly. And that was that was the thing on Will Smith's end. He knew they can't do anything given the situation. Like, what are they going to do? Have like a SWAT team come in and escort him out, you know, in the middle of the Oscars. I mean, it felt like I was living naked gun 33 and a half in real life a little bit, you know, where it, it was just such a well, the, the funny thing is, is that people are going to forget one of the most beautiful aspects of that night, which is Coda winning. This was a huge night, you know, huge. for the deaf community because they have, I mean, next to Marley Matlin, you have Troy Kushner who won for best actor and, and one of a beautiful heartfelt speech. And even the ending and Coda is like a wonderful crowd pleasing film. It was one of those films that kind of slipped under my radar because 2020, uh, yeah, I'm getting lost in time because of how long I've been in COVID. But 2021 has been a pretty good year for movies, but we're not going to remember any of that. Yes. We, we're we going to have a, an Oscar show that's going to be remembered for violence and controversy, which the saddest thing about that violence is Will's, the, the, the movie that Chris Rock was presenting the winner for was right. a wonderful, wonderful film called uh, Summer, Summer of, of Soul. Soul. And in Summer of Soul, it's a movie about 
a film festival that played opposite of Woodstock in Harlem that had it was a music festival. Yeah. yeah, it was a live music festival. Yeah. And 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 the work that he did with that was remarkable. And he deserved his his spotlight. And this put a damper on that. And I felt very bad for him on because he worked hard for that. And that is a remarkable film. And it came editing, and here is this presentation after this uncomfortable, uncomfortable situation. And he's giving a heartfelt speech about his mother. Yeah. And it just, it was just really hard to watch. Not to mention, like, when the, like, I, I don't know if anybody noticed this, and maybe I heard it wrong, but when Chris Rock was announcing the winners, he was naming everyone's name, and then he just said, and four white guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. But, you know, by that time, he was so flustered. He didn't know oh, what, yeah. where he was or what he was doing either. I know. I can't so, blame him. He's like, I'm a comedian. This is sort of like my defense mechanism. Like, right. I can just use my talents and my gift to the best of my ability. It's just one of those situations where nobody knows what to do. And there's going to be enormous fallout because it was sort of like art imitating life where the whole point of Summer of Soul was that this was a music festival that nobody remembered because you know Woodstock was going on and people didn't really embrace black culture back then although there was like civil rights going yes. on and it's like now this movie won't be remembered just like that music festival and you know it has to be remembered with like the image of one black man hitting another and it's like that just kind of puts a damper on all the inclusion they were trying to put in the show which also felt kind of forced sometimes which like look the oscars it's meant to kind of pander i like the pandering i'll be honest but like this felt like this was trying to appeal to a base and it was written by a bunch of like out of touch white people who don't get what's cool mixed with like young not, not necessarily the, not necessarily. the production team on this was all black, black. the uh, production lead on this show was black this was a black centric show this was Very a much so. Uh, black centric, uh, Latin and Latina centric. They were very uh, inclusive, uh, very inclusive for the LGBT community and for the gay community as well. So it wasn't it wasn't a bunch no. of clueless white guys. No. This was the pendulum swinging, perhaps somewhat the other way. Best example of uh, a bit that didn't work that was very black centric was Wanda Sykes going to the new museum. Yeah. Uh, of the uh, Motion Picture Academy. And uh, that was sophomoric and stupid and clueless. And did not mm. make it seem like anybody who ever wanted to go there. Yeah. Well, what seemed was really it? clueless was they had three hosts, right? And then they have their monologue, but then Amy Schumer like has her own separate monologue after that, which structurally made no sense. It was like, why are they giving the white girl more time here? But... That was just something that kind of pops in my head. Well, that was the let, let's break that down. That was the introduction with the three of them together was in was an introduction to, to the show. Right. And Amy Schumer actually um, she did a good job. She actually did a pretty good job yeah. of being kind of honest with uh, with some of the criticism of the movies and um, not making it just a pandering uh, we love mm -hmm. every every movie that's coming that's come out. We love and it's great if it's Hollywood. No, she yeah. talked about the don't look um, up. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. She was so she was uh, actually giving some honest comedy 
to, and which is what good comedy is, is it's really speaking the truth yes. that you think, but are afraid to say. Yeah. It is funny because I did write in my notes that she did make some good jokes. There was one about that, and I'm trying to remember. There was one she made later that was pretty good. Oh, yeah, like she did kind of do that thing about, oh, the vibe in here is kind of different after the whole Will Smith thing happened, which was... Well, she said, did anything happen while I was gone? Yeah, like that was a, that was a good way of yeah. kind of segueing into it. I, just, I thought she was kind of an odd choice because there's like a lot of maybe because I work in the comedy world, but there's like a lot of controversy about her stealing jokes and stuff like that. But again, I don't know. It felt like a night that should be remembered for inclusivity is going to be remembered with just controversy and, you know, anger and vitriol and, and really sort of like a tone deaf kind of show. Like it just kind of felt all over the place. Like, the, I mean, of course, the main issue is when they took the technical awards and they made them this rush together last minute piece where, I mean, if you're doing a show that is about uh, honoring a visual medium that is meant yeah. to excel and impress people and you have this poorly shot edited show made together, absolutely, like, it's like, it doesn't um, work at all. And for the categories that were very important to filmmaking. Yeah which was really, it, it, there's no excuse for that. Plus we noticed the directing, all of a sudden you had the Oscars uh, billboard up and then it was gone and then it came back again. And then you had, uh, we thought the sound was terrible on the, um, on the, on the musical numbers because the, the orchestra drowned out the vocals and the memoriam was not good at all. You couldn't see who they were talking about. And it was just covered. Bill Murray yeah, it, it looked just, like he was delivering his lines at gunpoint, you know, and <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis looked like she was having a mental breakdown holding the dog. She's like, I thought the puppy, yay! Like, it was what, very what, hard. What? Hard to watch. Hard to watch. Yeah, and the the decision of, okay, so we're going to stop the immemorial, the memoriam for for Ivan Reitman and, and <clears throat> excuse me, have Bill Murray uh, do a little soliloquy, and then we're going to have Betty White but Stephen so Stephen Sondheim uh, mm. didn't uh, he didn't rate more than just a mention or just mm. a flash on the screen? Come on, it wasn't well planned at all. Well, that was the thing. I here's the thing: I have a problem with the show. It's like I like that they're making it inclusive, but at the same time, <clears> they, they you kind of need to stick to the classic formula because that's what everybody likes about the Oscars. I love the orchestra because it reminds me of like when I see like a like ET or something and the music sweeps me away. You know, that's something I love to see, like seeing it with just like a DJ and a band. I'm like, okay, so now you just like have some guy with like a track and that's like, are you gonna do this, the music to something that's supposed to be sweeping and epic that everyone of every culture of every race can universally enjoy? Like, I feel like they mixed it up so much where they didn't have to. They felt like they didn't know how to embrace sort of the the hashtag Oscar so white controversy. And that's where it just sort of fell apart for me, like stylistically in a way, especially when they're omitting the technical awards, which are the things that make movies the way they are. Like really someone who should get an enormous amount of credit instead of just like a quick end. Congratulations. Here you go. Go off is Greg Frazier, who is like redeveloping how you shoot films. Well, and also Kevin Costner even said that these, you know, the wonderful scores are what got him so 
inspired to be in film. Yeah. And, and then that wasn't happening. So with all of this, this was meant to streamline the, uh, the production, right? By, by taking a lot of these uh, quote unquote minor categories and just kind of shoving them off mm -hmm. to the side and just quickly introducing them on tape is supposed to streamline the show so that the show moves faster and is a little shorter, right? Right? Mm -hmm. This show was 14 minutes longer than last year's. <laughs> Oh, the irony of this entire show is insane. I remember when I like looked at my DVR recording, it said four hours. And I'm like, oh, that can't be right. It must have recorded something. No, that was the whole show. They tried yeah. to make it shorter, but yet they made it longer. Because the in memoriam, again, just keep like, the, I like the way they did it where you would get everyone's name the equal amount of time and equal amount of applause. That, an equal size and equal picture exactly exactly like whether whether you're an assistant director or you're a world famous actor you should be on exactly. equal ground exactly well, giving people their due was the whole point of of the of the show yeah uh, if there were high moments of the show though i do have to say uh i thought troy kushner's uh, speech about his father was really beautiful beautiful yeah i mean i think he uh whoever was doing the you know uh voiceover for the uh audience uh mm -hmm. he he was even getting choked up i'm wondering if he maybe no knows him or has known mr kushner for for many many years i hope i'm not butchering his last name by the way right Kutzer. 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 Kutzer is his Kutzer. name. Okay. And yeah, well, but maybe he was just feeling the emotion that Troy Kutzer was feeling and the way he was yeah. doing his signing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I cause would have liked, however, important. I would have liked, and I got to say this, it would have been better if the uh, presenter had been pulled aside so that Troy Kutzer could have been there by himself with the signer. Mm, yeah, yeah I, she, she stood there. She, well, she stood there yeah. holding his Oscar. Right. Uh, so she, uh, maybe she thought that the Oscar had to be on camera or something. I'm not sure. But it, yes, that was on, that yes. was sort of a an awkward kind of a moment. It's mm. like when you're delivering. Think about you're you're on stage and you're delivering your big monologue of you know <laughs> you're delivering you know Macbeth you know and you're delivering your monologue and and there's somebody from the audience standing right next to you. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, uh, it, it was sort of a, a an, another one of those it awkward just, moments. Yeah, and, and it wasn't that she was doing anything wrong. It was just, it would have been nice to have him have his solo moment in the uh, spotlight. Yeah. You know who, uh, after all is said and done, the one star who showed the most class and will probably be remembered uh, as the, uh, probably coming out of this with the best image bump of anybody on the night. You know who I think that's going to be? Who's that? Lady Gaga. That's right. You know what? She was fantastic. She, she, she was great. I mean, she, she, um, yeah, she helped Liza Minnelli like feel comfortable in a setting. Cause you could tell she was like really scared and overwhelmed kind yeah, of in a way. Yeah. Cause she, I mean, I don't know what her mental state is, but I mean, you could tell she was happy to be there and lady Gaga really kind of made her feel great. Well, that setting. She made, she was very sensitive to the situation yeah, and very sensitive to not overpowering Liza Minnelli and letting her have her due. She did. She gave her her time. She let her deliver the best picture 
exactly. uh, uh, yeah, best picture winner out loud. And like, she even like was holding her hand. She like whispered to her, Hey, you got this. It's okay. You know, I'm here for you. I'm just like, wow, that's, a, that's a good human being. And also someone who could take a joke when they said, you know, uh, she was in the house of, uh, bad accents. You know, right. yes. you didn't see her exactly. go after Amy Schumer and just like slap her on stage. <laughs> uh, all the accents. Although that one's a little deeper cut than what, what you know, Chris Rock said, but still. But, you know, yeah. I, I think that uh, Lady Gaga proved that all that time she spent with Tony Bennett, uh, that she learned something oh, absolutely. from all of that time she spent with him. So uh, good for her. And uh, seeing Liza Minnelli was probably uh, as uncomfortable and as painful as it was to see her decline this may be the last time that we see liza minnelli in in public like this in a public setting like this as well so uh if that if that be the case it was a it was a, a nice send-off for her as well very much so very mm. much so yeah um for for other uh for best director uh what are your thoughts on jane campion well, she was kind of shooing from the very beginning. I mean, everybody thought that she was going to get it. We we called it out as soon as we saw the film months ago yeah. and um, expected it. But there were other good directors, too. I've always said that if there are 10 best pictures, why are there not 10 best directors that are nominated? Because it seems silly to me. Um, I don't know if that makes a difference or not. I mean, I think it's it, it's kind of uh, head scratching to see Jane Campion uh, lead a movie that got all of those. What did they get? Twelve nominations, 10, 12 nominations, mm -hmm. uh, and, none, and and only get the one win the one for the, the for arguably the most uh, the second most important award of the night, yes. mm -hmm. and her movie gets nothing movie, else. Yeah. Three yeah. major, four major actors, yeah. and then none of them so received. How can Oscar. she be the best director of the year and not be able to direct any of her actors into an award winning performance? Well, that's always one of those odd conundrums. It does feel like I, I don't know if it's like a political choice or not, because the thing is, she does deserve it because she's had a very long career as a woman in the film industry. Who's yes, she had has. kind of an impressive record? Like the piano is a fantastic film, you know. But you know, uh, so for her, that's great that she won. Um, but you know, of course, there are other veteran directors who deserve it. But I'm glad for her. But yes, it does feel a little bit like it was a little too blatantly obvious, like why they were giving it to her, where it didn't feel genuine or heartfelt when she received it it's kind of like hey gene campion wins for that movie with the title of a dog in it that none of you will probably see or forget like you know because like amy schumer even makes that joke i think or was it someone else i'm not sure what wanda sykes wanda made sykes, this yeah yeah she said i've seen it three times and i'm about halfway through yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and i think that's really how it'll be remembered but it's one of those oddities. it's a difficult film it's a well, tough one to get through, but I like weird atmospheric dark films. So like, I was well, sitting there like, ooh, this is really cool. You know what I saw it? And it was difficult to make. Yeah. Difficult to structure. I mean, it, it, she did a tremendous job with that film and that script. Which, which brings us to perhaps the, uh, the central problem with the Oscar voting process is that it's not really 
who did the best job, who was the most, who, mm. who provided the most talent. It comes down to who mounted the best political campaign mm -hmm. to campaign for this award to win it. Will Smith had a camp. There was, there was the Huge studios campaign. spend a lot of money. I'm not going to pretend I know how much, but they spend a lot of mm -hmm. money to make sure that the voters uh, think about their stars and their movie uh, in positive terms leading up to the Oscars. And it is, it's a political campaign. Well, that's the main issue with the Oscars is, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's not that for everyone who votes. I mean, some people are really genuinely in the, in the film industry and have a stake in who wins because of their talent. But those political campaigns are really huge and very costly. And, and sometimes they work. Yeah, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes, you know, the the candidate, I guess we could call it, uh, is it sometimes is worthy of best picture. But um, other times they're not, or best actor, best actress, etc., uh, etc. Et and Will Smith, I thought his performance was good, but I don't didn't think it was one of the best of the year. I think Will Smith is kind of someone who is always acting in a way and I'm not personally attacking him. I think he might need help, but this wasn't, but if anything, no one's going to remember, if anything, if, pro if there was a proper punishment for Will Smith, I'd just say, take away his Oscar. Be like, we don't exemplify that kind of behavior ever. You know, you can, you can say like, you could, you can insult someone, but you can't hurt someone on stage. But I got that. That's a whole other can of worms. Uh, King Richard felt from the beginning like a campaign film. It felt like a movie made by the Williams sisters to fend off the negative press that their father had received for years, where they paint a human portrait of him saying, yes, he's flawed. Yes, he did this. Yes, he did that. But he did help us get through. You know, uh, he did help give us this incredible, illustrious career. However, at the same time, it does show, like, is it encouraging people to be immature, to fart during meetings as, you know, Richard does during one scene? And, you know, when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is just kind of like a compilation of conventions with other people who tried this in real life and it didn't work out. And it was maybe a destructive thing to do. And that's what, and also, yeah, it should have been about the Williams sisters. But again, I think they made it for their father but yeah, i thought what? it was a good film yeah. i mean i Rant's did think over. It was film, <laughs> yeah but but um yeah I, there were a lot of good performances this year and yeah. benedict cumberbatch's performance was intense oh, yeah. and andrew garfield learned how to play the piano and sing and dance which he had never done before in a very in, uh, amazing film I think he was my favorite because, yeah, he's saying he did talk about an amazing year. Andrew Garfield has tick to boom. He has Spider-Man like this guy is really kind the of eyes of Tammy Faye. The, the eyes, eyes of, of Tammy, Tammy Faye. Faye. Yes. Talk about a huge comeback career. Now, that was one I didn't see. Uh, I have the DVD to it, which I have to say, like on a personal note, this is like my first year, like actually getting all the Oscars stuff like gigantic booklets from netflix or like hand of god and power of the dog and i'm like 
I don't even have to ask what's coming out or check the theater show times. I could just see what they're sending me. And Are you living the life thing. now, buddy? That's it. Well, you've got plenty, <laughs> you to, go. plenty to watch, yeah. plenty to digest. So right. here's my question. If, if, if you think they should take the uh, Oscar away from Will Smith, do we then, uh, like in Miss America, award it to number two? Mm, now that's who I'm wondering. Now, should who would who would get it next? Then I would well, say who, Andrew Gar because between Andrew Garfield, Benedict Cumberbatch, who else was up? Denzel uh, Washington. Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. That's right. And Javier Bardem. And Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Well, and who was excellent. Yeah, he was pretty good. Like people were like, oh, he did. He didn't sound like Ricky Ricardo. It's like no, but he kind of captured the personality and energy and vibrance that he brought he was very to the good. stage. And, yes. But that was one of the other good lines from uh, uh, from the hosts when they talked about how do you make a movie about Lucille Ball with no laughs? Yeah, and it's true. Yeah, it's true. I, I agreed yeah. with that one. And yeah. and we even saw a panel, uh, a press conference with Nicole Kidman, who said that she really wanted in that in that uh, production to extend the comedy bits, mm. and she worked hard to do that, and they cut them short. Yeah. And she thought that that missed some of the laughs in those films in that film. So, and I agree with her. I really do. I think they're, it, it should have had more laughs. She, yeah, she makes a good point. I never thought about that when I saw the movie, because I actually kind of liked it because I thought it was going to be like a hero portrait, like, oh, Lucille Ball is this perfect, wonderful person and yay. And then we find out like, no, not really. Like she was very yeah. insecure and tough on people and this and that and the other but then it's like yeah but at the same time we kind of want to see how she's funny like yeah they showed the formula as to why she's funny but we didn't see right. like the delivery more like it was more like hey the audience already knows the whole grape stomping bit we don't need to show it again but really it it, it would work to see the deliverable on that you needed more comedy yeah. absolutely to show off her talent yeah absolutely um for for uh, technical awards though, yeah, I mean, I want to just go back on Greg Frazier because if people don't know who this guy is, he shot Dune and he also shot the Batman this year, two of which are probably the two most beautiful movies I've seen since Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and you know, of course, that was shot by Roger Deakins. Greg Frazier is different. Frazier, I don't know how to say it because it's Greg Frazier. It's G R I E G, and that's what throws Greek. me off. Right, yeah, Greek Frazier. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm notoriously bad with names. So please, Academy, have me on one day to mispronounce someone's name, and it'll work beautifully. You know, I could have a John Travolta <laughs> moment of my own. Uh, but th this guy's work, he's kind of changed the way movies are shot, where they're filmed on digital, processed on film and then rescanned on digital so it gives a hybrid look of the two that has the light range of digital but the emulation of film because it's built within the architecture of it and it's like if there's ever a particular award you should give it should be to him and then people like him who've done that uh who uh, whoever did the costume design for cruella she also won for mad max fury road and i remember seeing her every day on stage like yes. that lady with the with the dress and everything like she she dresses her job <laughs> absolutely amazing work but yeah it's sad that hollywood ends up instead of remembering them we we gravitate towards the night of narcissism in a way and yes 
I, I feel like what Will Smith did was he took away the thunder from everyone else's win because it was all about him. And he got his moment on stage. And then I honestly thought his win was more awkward than the confrontation because then he's trying to uh, validate what he did in a way. He's saying, look, I, I love everyone in my life. And, you know, yeah. just like Richard Williams, I'll stand up for those who I feel are being attacked. And in my life, I'm supposed to smile and act like it's okay when really it's not. But it's like, but you committed assault on stage and you need a therapist <laughs> badly. Well, you know, it was Denzel Washington and Tyler Perry right. who talked to uh, <coughs> talked to him in, in the uh, in the audio after this, yeah. and they probably uh, gave it to him straight. And that is, if you want to save your career, mm -hmm. if you want if you want to ever work in this town again, you better make amends for this. Mm -hmm. uh, and he he uh, on cue he brought on the tears, uh, and he you know, and he. He apologized to everybody except Chris Rock, but he, but he, you know, he, he apologized, and uh, he's he's hoping then, and then he went out and partied at the Vanity Fair party. Uh, but we but, were also told that he and Chris got together backstage at some point, and Diddy was, I guess, the person who helped make that happen. But we haven't heard what happened with that. Well, we don't know if it was backstage or at the Vanity yeah, Fair party. Yeah, it could have been. I but, before they even announced him, I saw him queuing up the tears when they cut to him. Like I saw him a little glassy, like so. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing: I think it's just one of those dumb Hollywood things where they got back together on stage and they're like, "Hey, I was being stupid. It's okay." Blah blah blah. We'll have a press tour and just have a laugh about it. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, that is the case. But it was uh, at the cost of the audience getting let down. Exactly. It was at the cost and of the artist being ignored. And but the artist being ignored and the end of the show falling flat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, sure, you know, they work hard to put a, a four hour show together or yeah. a three and a half hour show together. Do we know anything about the ratings for this for this show? Oh, Have we seen anything no, about the ratings? Let me pull her up because I, I bet. Yeah, because we're kind of interested in that. Yes. So let me see. If I were to look it up, the Oscar ratings. I bet Oscar ratings surge after historic lows last year. That's the that's the uh, the line. Mm. Uh, the 94th Academy Awards feature one of the most shocking moments. CNN? It also yeah. included significant ratings bump for ABC. It drew an average of 15.3 million viewers. ABC. That's six, 56 percent increase. increase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, well, if it well, bleeds, it leads, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely true. But we don't know if that bump came after everybody heard about that or not. All right. So just to, to put that in perspective, however, yes. going through that article, Sunday's ratings was still the second smallest audience for the show in history. There you go. So it was more than last year, but still less than every other Oscar show. Yeah in history it's more like i think they're going to get a lot of viewership and like streams well no everyone's just going to go on youtube and look up that one part but right. here's the thing like the fans of the oscars i feel like are the ones who are left out you know the the people who watch the oscars for a long time are the guys who like the orchestra they like the in memoriam 
They, you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of, I mean, if anything they could cut is maybe the musical songs in between everything. I was never a fan of the musical bits. I always felt like it stretched on forever. And it was more like, oh, look at this famous performer. Here they are on stage sort of thing. Maybe they cut that. The show would be a good hour shorter because it's not just the segments. It's the commercials in between that they got to shove in there that makes the uh, time of the show you know, so incredibly long. But the thing is, I think they need to hire J.J. Abrams and do a reboot. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll get uh, they'll get uh, they'll get him to uh, just kind of force awakens it, and we'll get all the things we love about the Oscars back. Make the Oscars great again. No. <laughs> well, I think you know some of the bits were just not well written, and didn't get the audience uh, reaction that I think that they hoped they would get. And got a little silly here and there. And silly is okay if it works. But if it doesn't work, it's kind of, it doesn't, it's not good. Yeah. And everyone and, loves the way it was made for years. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. I wasn't there. I thought you were saying something. Well, so fashion is a big part of it. Because yeah. everybody wants to see what everybody's wearing that year. Oh, speaking of us, Timothy Chamelay. Could he have at least worn a shirt? <laughs> it was he needs uh, Jason Momoa's chest. <laughs> he needs a bigger chest. I'm just imagining him coming in a Halloween costume now with like that fake, like pumped up chest with like with the suit on underneath. He's very avant garde and he likes to, you know, make a presentation. And so, so does uh, Chris, uh, you know, from Spencer. Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Yes, she did. And she came in shorts. So, uh, and the Williams odd. sisters. And the Williams right. sisters, the Williams sisters decided to to bear bear most everything. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of red dresses. I noticed that, mm. and there were a lot. There was a lot of uh, boob showing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was. I, it kind of brings me back to that uh, moment in the Golden Globes when Jennifer Lopez is. Uh, next, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but Hawkeye, and yes. he, you know, and Jeremy he said, Renner. Jeremy Renner, yeah. thank you. And he says, "Oh, you have the Globes too," you know. Yes. Just go. Oof, that's an inappropriate, yeah. but at the same time, he's kind of like you know. Well, well there's I, some I beautiful gowns. Okay. Hey, they're very well dressed. There was that one dress uh, with the woman next to Daniel Kaluuya, and it was kind of like this flowing yellow carpet, and that actually. Well, that was her. her. The uh, yes, and she oh. won for the best song last year. Oh, her and name she is, is her. I thought they screwed it up when they said it. Like her, like her. no, no, that's her. her. Name? That's, <laughs> that's, that is that, what the name she goes by. The the colors of the bright uh, turquoise against the lime green was um, certainly eye catching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It wasn't lost on me. Speaking of lime green, Beyonce's big uh, number. Yeah. You know, shot on a tennis court in mm -hmm. Compton that the whole uh, color, uh, the whole color palette was the same color of a, as that a tennis, tennis ball. ball. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I when I was looking at that, I, I felt like I was watching like a commercial for like a like a health drink product or something like that. It, it felt kind of weird. I was like, wait, what, what was Gatorade. that? Yeah, exactly. Like a yellow Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of Busby Berkeley kind of shooting, you know, from the top. <laughs> yeah. And now it was it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I thought it went on a little long. And Billie Eilish did, uh, you know, she deserved to win. I thought yeah. that was the best song. And it and it did capture the movie. Yes. It was 
and the it, mood. It was a great mm-hmm. song in its own right, but it also captured the vibe and really um, it helped the movie as well uh, when it when it played on screen. So yeah, good for I her. So too. Yeah, she and she seems like I, from what I've read, like she seems like an amazing person, and and it's kind of like, it's like I was like, oh, sweet. It's like uh, my little girl won. <laughs> she kind of has yeah. that vibe, you know. Uh, but no, I was happy for her. And yeah, actually, she did have a good Bond song. Like, it was a solid one. One odd thing with the... There were two odd things with the tribute to Bond, which, of course, she was going to win. They were basically blatantly telling you on the air she was going to win because they had a whole tribute to Bond. Uh, but, like, they had that one moment where the people who introduced Bond's history are extreme sports guys with Sean White and Tony Hawk. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't they just bring out, like, Pierce Brosnan or something like that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that because uh, Tony Hawk, we, we just came back from South By, and Tony Hawk has, uh, there's a new uh, documentary about him out, and, and it's very interesting. And I've talked with him before. Maybe that's because they wanted to kind of get his face out there so that you know that that doc is coming or I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's another reason behind it, but it's just like I get I get like sort of the euphemism they're going with that, you know, James Bond is someone who does dangerous things, who lives on the edge. And here are Maybe. these guys that live on the edge and they're introducing him. Uh, but at the same time, it, 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 it just seemed like they were trying to appeal to like young people, which I get it. Like it was probably produced by young people, but it just felt so off when they did that. And then there was that moment where Rami Malik is like rock walking towards the camera, giving his monologue. And you could hear him like kind of stumbling over his mark when he's doing it. And yeah. just the angle and, and, I know he was playing the Bond villain, but was he supposed to come off like a Bond villain in that moment? Because I'm just like, just for the framing, I'm like, is Rami Malek going to like kill me or something? <laughs> like, it just looks so weird. Yeah, that's interesting. I, the st- well, the stage was kind of interesting, the way they set up the stage. I thought mm. they did a good job with the stage. It was different. I I liked a lot. It was a hodgepodge of good and bad. I love the aerial shots of the balcony and the scope of the venue. And especially with today's cameras, the colors just really, really yeah. popped. Like I've never seen it look that way before. Right. Uh, there is one odd angle. And unfortunately, it was like one of the main angles. Whenever someone was giving their speech, it's not like the usual like left center, right center, and then far stage zoomed in on a tight mm-hmm. lens. But instead, like you could tell the lens was on was clearly like it was sort of a wider angle lens that was placed in front of the subject. And because it was doing that, it had this like, yes, you were actually right in front of them. So you could be personally mm-hmm. right there with them. But then you kind of get the feeling of how awkward and actually probably how small that stage is because when i saw that i'm like oh the stage doesn't look that big you know compared to like how it usually looks when i saw that yeah well uh, and i uh i saw that i i I made note of the fact that that stage was not elevated as as much as i remember oscar stage in the past remember how many women would trip on their dresses going up the stairs (laughs) uh, to get their oscar there were only two steps to get up to the stage and i I think that was an accommodation for uh for the dresses for the long flowing dresses maybe the gowns and there were a lot of long flowing dresses yeah there were i mean yeah a lot a lot of them 
But I mean, it definitely gave Will Smith uh, very immediate access to. <laughs> I guess they didn't think about that in the long run. Because yeah. well, you imagine you have to run up all those stairs and go around and then do that and then run all the way uh, down. Yeah, well, next year they'll put concrete <laughs> posts around the Yeah, stage. they'll put like yes. uh, police tape or they'll just have like SWAT Caution guys in tape. Front. <laughs> Caution tape. <laughs> But yeah. if they, uh, I mean, if I was if I was hosting the Oscars next year, that would be part of my opening monologue. Oh, they're definitely going to have that. I think next year oh. they're going to do a thing where like Will Smith and Chris Rock are going to walk side by side, and they're going to be like, "Whoa, hey, this maybe is they should weird. be the maybe they should be the hosts." Yes. Oh, <laughs> to pitch that, pitch that. Whoa! Actually, the other that thing would was, sell. That would sell. Responding to what you said about the way it was shot, that side shot of Will Smith with the tear coming down was very close, very tight. Yeah. And they did that with a few people, but it was particularly. Uh, important in that particular setting when he was giving his acceptance speech. Oh, they knew what they were doing with that lens, like really. Oh yeah, well. like that. That that's that's definitely a tight angle lens. You could definitely see a lot of the noise, like on the corners of the screen, because you could tell they had like the aperture probably or the ISO set like all the way down. Like you could probably get that down to below a hundred. I don't know if you can go below like even further, like on a higher le level camera. And they definitely had mm -hmm. to probably have the f-stop somewhere in between and just get that focus just right and they had to hit the corner just like you know they were just cutting to it occasionally because you know people are moving around you can't get that mark but like yeah. on occasion when they had that you know you just hit bam you just go to that camera and then you can hit it and they just knew exactly what they were doing with that <clears throat> with that angle you know well it'll be very interesting to see what do you think should happen uh for for the future of the show Go back to the formula and definitely mix it up, but not to the extent where, you know, you're kind of robbing the aspects of the Oscars that everyone from every background enjoys. You know, uh, I kind of harped on the orchestra thing a lot, but that's because, like, just harmonically, like, I, I should learn music I, because I, I, I'm obsessed with film scores. I've grown up on them. It's a big part of me, you know. Uh, Christ, that, that would be a great way for John Williams to finally end his career one night. Is just like, I know he's coming back for Obi-Wan, but to come back and compose the Oscars in 2022 would Ooh. be incredible, you know. And do the Oscars things, even belong, do the Oscars even belong on over the air broadcast television anymore? I mean, you know, there's there are all kinds of streaming services that would love to give an entire as long as they want and have the Oscars completely take over uh, the, the, uh, yeah. the, the channel for a day, whether it's HBO Max or Paramount or Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, ABC is Disney and it was just the Oscars, by the way, to me felt like a, a three hour commercial for Disney anyway, uh, <laughs> with, with, with their product, with their products. So why not just Put it just put it online put it on a streaming service Stream well, it. and the the best picture was one for the first time that was on a streaming service mm, uh, which which one was apple that? tv plus oh apple of TV course plus? of course yes Dakota. Dakota. it was on so apple, apple tv plus which by the way guys do check it out it's it is actually like it's hard for people not i could i would be hard pressed for like someone not to like it 
you know. Uh, and uh, it does kind of have a continual theme of, like, fame and fortune kind of being the magical solution to everything, which is one thing I'm tired of seeing in every movie. But at the same time, I'm not going to attack the film for having that in the message. They did it beautifully. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Apple paid $25 million for this movie, which was unheard of at the time when they bought it out of Sundance a couple yeah. of years, a couple of years ago. And, well, a year ago, January. And they, they, uh, they saw something in that movie that a lot of people, a lot of other people didn't. And it's, you know, that they're going to get a payoff on that now, but you know, the streaming services are here. Hulu is huge is hundred over a hundred and something million uh subscribers yeah. or or users netflix is huge apple tv has i believe uh, apple tv plus has less than 50 million subscribers at the moment so it's it's uh to get this kind of a return on their investment for that small of, of a of a base of subscribers is a big deal for them well and it also shows that not only is it on um a certain streaming service which made it easier especially during covid but it was also word of mouth mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there was a lot of uh word of mouth about that film yeah. from and all positive yeah and it kept it kept growing and that's exactly how i knew about it because like you know uh you guys and everyone else in uh my critics group kept mentioning coda to me and i went that must be really damn good and well i saw it a year, a year ago it's it's sundance that's where i first saw it and i oh, and immediately oh wow you knew it's like you, you saw the magic happen in the moment yeah right then yeah and summer of soul Oh, I'm, i just remember watching that and I, I i think i posted online like this movie's magical you know because that's how it feels it's like this yes. is i felt like you they did something very similar to uh what they did with their, their there's this movie uh called like they shall not grow old or something it was done by peter jackson and it had world war yes. one footage and what they yes. did was they uh took it and they adjusted the frame rate because you know it moved like one of those old-timey movies like like you know babe ruth running around the bases and but they would move they they would adjust the frame rate probably like 60 frames per second which in our minds interpolates to 24 frames you know and it all right. depended on each bit of the footage and they color corrected it they added uh sound effects and everything and they kind of like reimagined it and peter jackson did that again with the uh, beatles documentary that he's making and then you know they they kind of did something similar with this with summer of soul where this was lost footage from a forgotten festival 50 years old yeah. never seen mm -hmm. never seen sponsored and, it was supposed to be a tv show that was sponsored by maxwell house coffee wow and they and they they yeah it, it just never saw the light of day mm -hmm. and sadly now after it winning the oscar people I don't know. Will they actually remember it more now because of this? Because they're going to be like, wait, what movie followed that? Or are they just going to remember what happened before that? Because I I'm hope sure. they'll see it. I hope so. Because it it's fantastic. It's, it, it actually like did deserve the best documentary Oscar, which is relieving because there's like the last two or three years, like they chose some of the worst documentary like options of all of them well, there were some work. good contenders in that category oh yeah this year there were some great contenders and i felt like the great best contenders. one won you know um gosh i i if i i'd have to actually look over my <laughs> my neon 
booklet and to see which of them were my favorite uh, documentaries. Well, Writing with Fire was very good. Mm. And so was Flea. Was Flea, that favorite. one was robbed. That should have won at least animation right. or documentary. Yeah, and Attica and also Ascension. Very mm. tough category. There were very good movies yeah. there, but I really do think Summer of Soul. So you don't think that Encanto was the best animated uh, feature of the year? No, it felt like every other Disney movie. It's like I, I like the Disney movies. They're enjoyable, but every story has the same exact theme. Hi, I'm a kid and my parents don't understand me and they need to learn to accept who I am. And now that they learn to accept who I am, that, you know, we become a big part of the family and everyone's happy. Like that's every single Disney movie structure right now, like from Luca to Encanto to Jesus. Oh, Mitchell Sources Machines did the same thing, too. And it's like I could just see the movie from beginning to end with each of them. And mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like, yeah, but Flea did something unique and amazing where this is a story about a real man's life. You know, where he's not accepted and he has this incredible story and it's reimagined in an animated form that actually isn't a documentary or an animated film. It's both, and it works flawlessly, and it's just an incredible film that won't be probably remembered properly. But Flea, I, I could probably do a whole episode. I, I loved that movie. It, it, it was outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. But I still like Summer of Soul just that much better. Oh, I know. Again, but I think I think Flea <laughs> I'm a music for person. animated and then Summer of Soul could have won for documentary. And I think that there was you go. Yeah. There you go. Maybe they need to split that. Yeah. So and another another movie that, that got overlooked that a lot of a lot of people really loved and really were rooting for was Drive My Car. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I that, that's that's one you definitely have to see more than once. I was lucky enough to have an old screening link to it that I was able to pull up. And yeah, I mean that's a movie about sort of acceptance and grief and how we go through that process. And, you know, it could have been a little over the top, especially like towards the like last 30 minutes. I won't give it away, but no, don't. Yeah. But I was kind of <laughs> like, unique mm, though. is that on the nose a bit? But like, oh uh, yeah. But outside of that, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be long. It's supposed to feel like a growing process, which audiences might not be able to grasp you know as much uh worst person in the world is another fantastic yes. example of that and that was that was also another one that we thought might get a little more um attention and i think they campaigned hard for it there were like commercials on television for that movie and yeah, i mean that that one yeah because i guess the the way it was imagined and i really want to check out this director's filmography now because he, he has me hooked which is he take, took something that's supposed to be like a romantic comedy, but he made it serious where the girl doesn't seem like, you know, she's a soul sucker and she's taken away from the boyfriend, but actually she's like a human being and you understand how she became the person that she is. That was now. very interesting. Very yeah. interesting film. So to, I, I want to know what we, we got 18 out of 21. We didn't see the shorts, the animated and the live shorts. Mm -hmm. We saw the documentary shorts, but not the other two. So we eliminated that. So we got, we missed three. And what do you think is going to happen from here with the fallout? Well, like, that's that's one thing. Here's the thing I have with the fallout, because I think I did mention that in our comment section before we started rolling is I feel like there's there's this thing where this was a movie that's supposed to embrace race and love and all that. 
But then when it's counteracted with this image of, you know, Will Smith hitting another guy, it's going to reinforce people who are maybe on the edge of racism to say, well, this is why we don't give them the awards and blip, blip, blue. And it just mm. it just reinforces horrible negative stereotypes that it shouldn't and was never meant to. And I think Will Smith did a great deal of damage, like, you know, to his community in a way, because the idea of an actor, of a star is, unfortunately, because you're a public figure, you're supposed to show people how to behave. And when he doesn't do that, and, and, and especially when it's followed by something like Summer of Soul or followed by it, – it's just going to make people – it's just going to reinforce so many trolls on the internet to just push forward with their crap, you know, and that's it's just what I'm worried unfortunate. it's going to do. It's just an, a very unfortunate situation that would have been better if it never happened. Yeah, it's like this is in a moment where even if there was beef between them before – like, talk about it together. Say, hey, look, my wife has this. I'm not sure if you knew that. If you did, I really don't appreciate that. Please don't ever do that again. You know? Exactly. You don't, you know, do violence. I've never seen a single one in my life where violence solved anything. <laughs> but, well, in a public forum like that, it just didn't belong. Yeah. I period. mean, maybe if they're at war or something like that, you know, maybe if he's Russian. <laughs> no, that's I'm another kidding. story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. that was, oh there was that weird line from Amy Schumer at one point when she was talking about the work that all these women in Hollywood did, and then she's like, "Yeah, and in the meantime, uh, there's war going on in Ukraine and people are dying." And I was like, "What? Wait, what? Why did you insert that? Wait, what did that have to like that? I get what you're trying to say, like this should be focused on, but why now? Like that that's not the right time to insert that joke. <laughs> Bad timing." Overall. No, yeah. bad joke. You know, the, it's, it's not a joke. It's not. You know, there's nothing funny about nothing, nothing funny, funny about, about it. it. But there were some some of the stars that and some of the presenters who made mention of it, but it tastefully, I thought. Live TV is uh, is a very dangerous place to be sometimes. <laughs> yes, it is. There you go. I mean, we there. There's no denying, and I'm not going to lie. I wish it didn't happen, and yeah, there is horrible fallout, but we got to admit, that is damn good television when you get it, and the thing is, when people watch something like the Oscars, a lot of it, it's like NASCAR, a lot of people are hoping to see a car crash, and it likely will happen at one point, and you know, I mean, we can go down the list, although when it comes, like, you know, you had the moment where Looking at it, looking at it now, it's disgusting. When uh, Adrian Brody won his Oscar and he grabbed Halle Berry and he like gave her like a full oh, yeah. tongue kiss or Roberto. It's always Benito. something. Yeah, like, uh, but I like I like the cute moments that you don't expect, like R Roberto Benini's, you know, climbing on the chairs. On the chairs. Goes, it's like that's that's like he's having fun. fun. No one's hurt. Everyone's having a good time. I love that. You, you know, know there's... Uh, Jack Palance doing one arm push ups, but I can go on there. Yeah. <laughs> There was, uh, uh, Linda, you pointed this out. This punch thrown last night was not the first time that mm -hmm. someone on the stage at the Oscars wanted to throw a punch. Uh, and you go back to the 60s, I believe. Uh, and John Wayne, remember when uh, the indigenous... Uh, uh, Session, it was... Yeah, the, it was the indigenous woman who came on stage to yeah. protest 
uh, to protest what was happening with yeah. with the uh, the Indian the, the nations, native, you know, native, native Americans. Americans. And John Wayne tried to rush the stage to punch her, and they had to forcibly stop him. Yes, they did. Oh my God, I've seen that footage a million times. You know of. Uh, you know, Marlon Brando omitting his Oscar, you know, in, in respects to the indigenous people who are not recognized in America. Uh, but I didn't know that off camera John Wayne was, which doesn't surprise me. John Wayne is historically known to not be a very great guy. Oh. You know. so it would be an interesting documentary to do behind the scenes of the Oscars. Oh, there's going to be stories about it for years and years. And someone's already working on it. And, well, not just of this incident, but things in the past, like a history of mm -hmm. incidents like that would be very interesting. Oh, I think I think the structure would be like, here's the stuff they had beforehand. Here's what happened. And then here's the fallout, you know? Yeah. Well, I are we good? I think, you know what, if there's anything with these Oscars, what would you guys like to see for next year's Oscars? What could they do to make it better? <laughs> yeah, make it an hour and a half. Mm hmm. That's one way. How can we make it an hour and a half? Uh, that may be hard. That may be hard. You, you know what? You just just decide. This is we're going to have an opening monologue. We're going to uh, go introduce everybody. Uh, everybody gets thirty seconds for for their uh, their speech and just move it along. I I mean I'm tired. I you know. Um, it was a long that, night. That was three hours. That was three hours. I'm never going to get back in my life. <laughs> so, you know what? I want to. I want to be more, uh, more careful and conscious with my time in the future. And I don't want. I don't want long. I think the era of the long <laughs> award shows is over. Oh, for me. Well, I think that whoever is producing and directing has to do it with more of an iron hand and with parameters that are really put out there ahead of time. So everybody is on the same page. Yeah, I here's the odd thing. I like the long structure. I like it being four hours. To me, it's like, this is Oscar night. This is fun night, right? I think though, don't limit the speeches, but limit the musical numbers, you know, limit all that. And then just go have musical, so limit the musical numbers had the memoriam and had the speeches. And I think that's a four hour show with all the stuff I don't care about personally cut out. <laughs> but I mean, that's how I feel about it. But again, if you want shorter ones, yeah, 30 second speeches could be great. Hey, the DP has the same amount of time as Will Smith does. And I think that'd be great. But guys, Al and Linda, thank you guys. Moviesandshakers.com, right? And then social media. Thank you. Shakers. Yes, movies and shakers, and Twitter is movies uh, at movies and shakers with no e on the uh, on the shakers. Yes, uh, M O V I E A N D S H A K R S. And we also have a YouTube, YouTube channel. <laughs> movies and shakers on YouTube as well. And if anyone's like, I didn't get all that, don't worry. Click on the info with the description. It'll have the name. You can copy paste it. You can click on the direct link to it, and it'll be right there. Yes. And if you guys L-E-R-N-E-R -E -E for, Lin for Linda and Al Lerner, and um, you can always uh, email us and it's on our website, moviesandshakers.com. Uh, fantastic. Uh, good. Good to know. Anyways, if, why did I turn into a British guy? Um, if you want to check out my <laughs> stuff, go to ypareviews.com. The YPA stands for you'll probably agree. 
All right. We'll see. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on, guys. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys later. Take, Take care. care.